Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. I'm your host, James Woodham. And I am your co-host, Juliet. Juliet has a decade of architectural experience in the US. And James has completed over 250 home renovations in the UK. Together, James and I have over 35 years experience designing and building homes. This podcast was created to give you, the homeowner, the power and the knowledge to get your project done right, on time, and with quality workmanship. We've been going for just over a year now, and we have over 50 episodes for you to listen and absorb all the information from key experts in the industry. That's right. We've spoken to industry leaders, builders, architects, and the best part of what we do is hear from you, the homeowner, what went right and what went wrong. We really hope you like listening to this podcast, and if you do, please leave us a review. Reviews expose us to more listeners, which in turn means we can help more homeowners save money and avoid the chance of things going wrong. With that said, let's get into today's show. So, Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Um, I've been really looking forward to this meeting. Me too. Um, and I just wanted to ask you if you could just give us a little bit of background about you, how you come to work um, for Urbanist. Yeah. Um, so my background, I was an academic and I did my PhD on theatre architecture and kind of cultural planning. And um, I lived in Barcelona for seven years. And then I decided to come back because, you know, the work situation wasn't great. And I applied here. It was one of the first jobs I applied for. Didn't get it. That's why I'm going to talk about that. Uh, and then kind of found jobs doing content marketing and translation. And then my job came up again. Re- reapplied again. And finally, I got the job uh, six months ago. Okay. Um, so my background is uh, planning, urban design, all that kind of stuff. And it's this job is really the kind of... Um, the niche that I was looking for. So, you know, it's, it's a great place to work. The boss gives me complete freedom to do whatever I like. So that's always great. And um, so, yeah, it's a job that I really enjoy. It's, it's, it seems quite calm and very quiet. Yes. So I guess people are working really hard. Yeah. But what, what's, what's a typical day at this company? So, not to repeat the cliche, but obviously every day is different. Yeah. Um, you end up working almost with everybody multiple times throughout the day because, you know, we're all very multidisciplinary. We've got architects, we've got planners, um, we've got um, green belt experts, things like that. So, um, and they all need help doing certain different things. And so the, one of the good things about that is that we can all work together and it's, you know, it's very easy. Yeah. So I, for example, I help with um, planning statements. Um, I kind of do fact-checking as well. So it's, you know, you get to do everything multiple times a day. And so sometimes you start a day not knowing exactly what you're going to do, but you've done so much by the end of the day, you're a little bit confused about what you actually have done. <laughs> so it's, um, as I say, you get to do loads of different things. I've learned so much in the six, six months. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, that's what's great about it is, you know, okay, we're very quiet at the moment, but everyone is totally willing to help and to kind of give you a hand with sure. whatever. I can just see it on the TV um, to the left of me that you've got some really beautiful projects that mm-hmm. you've done as well. Would you say that there's many, many processes that you've you've like made sure that you have, do you have like a checklist to go through and stages to? Yeah. Um, so um, obviously, when you're doing certain renovations, you've got like the reap stages that you have to follow. And so, one of our strengths is that we've got quite meticulous people that you know accompany the accompany the project through everything. I mean, we do full service, um, architects and, and we also do design and build, um, and also the kind of more traditional approach. But, um, yeah, so 
when you go through it, it's like, it's a huge amount of work and you really have to be on top of it. So that's another thing, you know, having the architects and planners, um, you get to see it from both sides. Yeah. So yeah, so just, I mean, the amount of work that goes into it is just absolutely incredible. I mean, I wasn't aware of it before I started here. And now, you know, if I do want to do renovate my flat, I'm going to think about it twice and make sure that, you know, <laughs> I know exactly what's going on. Um, and that's a big part of my job is also putting that information out there so yeah. that people know what they're getting into. Because I think quite a big problem that there is, is when people start a renovation, is um, the person wanting to renovate sees it from their side. They want the result, but don't necessarily know the intricacies of the entire process. Yeah. And that's kind of what my job here is, to make sure that everybody knows exactly how much effort goes into it. I mean, I totally understand the frustration of um, trying to do your own project and not seeing results. And um, you don't quite know what you're waiting for. Um, so trying to help people who are renovating the house understand these processes is quite, I think it's quite important. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and just ask what's been, um, the most, one of the most interesting projects that you've done that really stands out? Um, let me think. Um, the project we did, the Belgravia project, um, which was a beautiful, you know, Muse house in, uh, just off Eaton Square. And that was, quite exciting because it was carte blanche and the only thing that we couldn't do was kind of was knock the facade down right. and so we were able to go in and completely rip everything out and really move everything around and kind of make the most of the space and because it was for uh businessmen very wealthy needed a pad in london yeah money no object for the time being that's always great and <laughs> so that was fantastic it was like the ideal project yeah um and it was also quite interesting in the intricacies because, you know, the entire is part of the Grover Estate and you have to uh, abide by their mm-hmm. rules as well as, um, I'm fairly sure that's Kensington and Chelsea, uh, Borough Council as well. Mm-hmm. And they have their own rules. Um, then sourcing everything, you know, really did everything to be really high quality yeah. as well. So you had things like trying to find a three by two meter black marble table and then finding someone to bring it in. Um, and then there was another issue, well, another challenge really with uh, skylight and trying to find all the, um, kind of the right, uh, kind of the producers and or coordinating all that was just mind bogglingly complicated. But that's, like you said, it's, it's not what the customer sees, is it? You know, there's so no. many stages. Exactly. So they, what they want, they want to see the two by three meter black table. Yeah. They don't really necessarily goes in. They don't necessarily know what goes into doing all that. Yeah. Like um, sourcing that. Yeah. So that was, that was a really good, um, uh, project to work on. Cool. The other one that, um, you've seen on the, on the screen is, uh, one in Greenwich, mm-hmm. which was, um, a kind of this one here, the yeah. two story extension. That was really nice. Um, really good project. I think it's turned out very, very well. Mm. Um, and we've also had a lot of, uh, business off it as well because the neighbors saw of course. who it was and yeah. like, Oh, I like the look of that. And they've kind of, they've been able to see what it looks like on the inside. And nice. uh, so yeah, that's been, that was another good project to work on. Very complicated though. But. It's, it, I mean, we're in the summer and it's always like the, the most busiest time. Everyone wants to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, is it sometimes quite challenging to meet the demands? Um, yes, because a lot of people want things done yesterday because yeah. they've got to it a bit late. Um, and so that is one of the challenges that we've got. I mean, at the end of the day, we can pride ourselves on getting our work done actually fairly quickly when we need to do it. So sometimes we're waiting for the council to get back to us yeah. or we're waiting for other people. But once we get started, we're pretty quick in doing what we want. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, as you said, the customer doesn't always see that. Well, we're here today actually to talk about um, the extended uh, permitted development. And um, let's just start off with, like, how did this come about um, and when did it start and why? Okay, so um, as I understand it, the um, permitted development rights came out in 1995 um, as a way to... make the whole process of improving people's houses easier. I mean, it was part of a kind of uh, conservative government mm-hmm. uh, push to uh, really empower uh, homeowners after the right to buy in the yeah. 80s. And um, it was also a move to um, simplify the previous orders that had been kind of updated every decade or so. Mm-hmm. And they were getting increasingly complex and it was more and more difficult and it was creating a huge workload for the council. So... And it was decided that they, in areas that were good, that were ideal for expansion, that um, it would be easier just to allow people to notify the council that, and that they were doing work and notify that it was completed yeah. within certain um, restrictions and yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Um, and it, it freed up a lot of the work for the council. Yeah. Um, and it was like a real, and obviously it was also done to kind of um, promote the construction industry yeah. and the building industry, because obviously that creates a huge amount of jobs. And um, it's good. Well, it's good for the economy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how it kind of came out, and it's been ad- adopted. It's been ad- adapted a couple of times mm-hmm. um, until the kind of most recent iteration, which kind of was dropped by surprise last month. So tell us a little bit more about that. So um, this uh, kind of adaptation was been going on for a, quite a long time to make it easier for changes of use, for example. Okay. Um, and. There was lots of confusion about the kind of the size of extensions that you could do, whether they were two story, single story, mm-hmm. um, whether you could have a side extension. And in theory, these new permitted, uh, development guidelines make all this very much more specific, simplify it so that it kind of applies to this amount for detached houses, this amount for semi-detached houses. In some places you can do single story, some places you can do double story. Okay. But it's, the idea is that it's pretty clear and you know with a, sim- with a single glance kind of exactly what you can and can't do. So if someone like, was looking to buy the property, where, where would they see that information? The permitted development rights aren't applicable in conservation areas, for example. Yeah. So if you live, for example, in London, if you live somewhere like Fulham or Blackheath or, you know, in the nicer parts, then it's much more likely that there's going to be a conservation area. So you have to check with your local council on their website in the planning department. Okay. And they will have maps of um, all the conservation areas. And if you live in one, then you're going to have to yeah. do a full planning application. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but if you live in somewhere that's kind of not quite as... Um, not quite as... Uh, Historic, and then obviously that makes things a lot easier for you. Obviously, there is always the condition that it needs to be um, a single, like a a single family dwelling house. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's always that's always the restriction. Then, could you explain a little bit more about the differences with planning permission Mm -hmm. and the processes that you have to go through, Mm -hmm. and um, just the. Uh, permitted development rights and okay. what the differences are. Um, so, I mean, this is simplifying a lot yeah. um, and it's um, quite difficult to kind of go, it's quite difficult to get it really, really into a nutshell. Um, a kind of full planning application 
is the kind of the idea is that you go to your council, you give them idea uh, to a pre-planning advice meeting, mm-hmm. and you tell them more or less what you want to do, whether that's an extension or um, conversion okay. or whatever you like. And then the council, if they're willing, will say, that's a good idea, that's not a good idea, um, that needs to be a bit, that extension needs to be slightly smaller, or, you know, it could be, it could be, give you actually quite useful guidance, as in, you could probably make the extension a little bit taller if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were you, I wouldn't have the window pointing that way, because then you could be overlooking your neighbour. Mm-hmm. And so these pre-planning uh, advice meetings, obviously there's no guarantee, which is quite important to kind yeah. of underline, but generally um, it gives you an idea of what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, then ideally, uh, if you have got a complicated project, then you submit a full planning application mm-hmm. um, and that enables you to, for everybody to know exactly what is going on and it's really the key to your projects. Okay. Um, and so once you've got that, that's when you can start uh, putting, looking for builders and contractors and putting your things out to tender. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really important uh, document. Um, permitted development um, is slightly different in that you have to have prior approval. So you have to tell the council what you're doing, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily have to approve it. Okay. Okay, so you just have to let them know that you've started. Um, and how much, how much time do you have to give? Previously, before the new regulation, you had to let your council know that uh, your uh, development was finished. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got prior approval, you don't have to let them know. Ah. Okay, so you just kind of tell them, I'm doing this extension, but um, it, it. Fits, it fits in all the rules, yeah. that's it. Uh-huh. Um, so before you had to let them know that it was finished, now you don't. Okay. Um, so that makes, I mean, that cuts paperwork down. It does. Um, yeah. For both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's quite a lot, it's less of a headache yeah. for the kind of the homeowner or the developer. And um, it just makes life a lot easier for everybody. If is there a big cost difference as well? Like because I'm, I'm assuming that you have to pay for drawings and plan, like mm-hmm. plan and permission. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for notifying um, permitted development, it's, it's, there's a big cost difference there for a homeowner. Well, um, yes, that's, yeah, that's yeah. quite right. I mean, ideally, the, the the easiest thing, the kind of dream would yeah. be. Submit your prior approval and that's it. And so yeah. you only pay, you pay what is really, you pay for basic drawings mm-hmm. and you pay an administration fee. Yeah. Um, planning drawings aren't cheap because mm-hmm. of the amount of detail that goes into them. So you, yeah, you could be saving yourself a thousand, two thousand pounds. Okay. Um, that's a big, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's also for a homeowner, it's good to know that mm-hmm. when they're going through a selection process of properties. And it's quite, um, we've had cases slightly unfortunately, um, where people have submitted a full planning application and then the council has got back to them and said, why didn't you do this under permitted uh, development? And so so there's, that's an education weakness there, I think. Yes. So um, what are they doing about, do you know what they're doing about that? So, um, unfortunately, it will depend on your council because okay. some councils are more helpful. Yeah, and some Exactly. And they are actively looking to reduce their, to kind of the work that they have to do. And so they're trying to educate, um, homeowners about what they can and can't do. Okay. Um, some are less proactive in that area. Yeah. And so, um, they will just refuse the application, but not tell you why. Right. Or, um, yeah, so ideally you'd want like a more helpful council that will mm-hmm. look over 
and maybe not even maybe not even charge you as much. So, you know, yeah. And that is that is the that is the really good thing about having these um, pre-planned guidance meetings because you know they're not going to promise you anything, mm. but they could say, oh yeah, that's quite simple, that's quite straightforward. Just do it under permitted development. Yeah. Whereas you've got the other councils that are kind of gonna kind of wait for you to do the entire process and then go, no, you don't need to do yeah. that. <laughs> if you're planning a renovation or you're moving into your first new home then the Akiva Toolkit could be the solution you need. With its easy-to-use package of 10 documents, you are able to manage time, budget, and the communication between your builders and you to ensure the project is complete to satisfaction first time round. The Akiva Toolkit saves you money and time. It's for the first-time renovator and the renovator that wants to do things better the second time round. It's a fraction of the cost compared to paying for mistakes or repeating work that's already done. Go to akivatoolkit.com and get your project off to a perfect start today. If someone was looking for a new home, um, how, when it comes down to uh, this permitted development and uh, versus planning permission, mm-hmm. how, how much time do you think that they need to be giving themselves for for the whole processes of, of oh I see okay um, from what I understand it's generally the kind of uh, the permitted development rights um, will take about a, a month to to a month to three months mm. to go through depending again depending on your council okay obviously the full planning permission process is a lot longer yeah. and. Uh, can take up to nine months. Yeah. So how long is a piece of string? Exactly. Um, and sometimes you get cases where um, the planning permission has gone through suspiciously quickly, um, and so that's also that's also something else to look out for. Because okay. I mean, councils have their workload. We all have our work, but when it's kind of when. Uh, you go to a restaurant and your food is served a little bit suspiciously quickly. Um, And so we've had that, uh, we've had rejections come through for planning permission that we've requested and it's just come back as a no within less than two working weeks. So that's also something else to bear in mind um, because often uh, councils will just uh, reject an application, Mm. not for no reason, but for on a technicality, on a a, a very, very minor technicality. And obviously permissive development rights are supposed to kind of stop that from happening. Would you say, um, because every homeowner does does this differently, but Mm -hmm. they'll probably um, look to buy a property and with the idea that they want to extend it, Mm -hmm. but then they'll already start asking builders to quote for that Mm -hmm. kind of work. And from speaking to builders, sometimes they don't really want to be investing their time in doing that at Mm -hmm. that moment. It's the wrong way around. Yes, exactly, because um, there's no guarantee of them. You know, they they can have a look and see the potential of the place and say, oh, in my experience, you could do a six-meter extension here. Um, But they're not, again, like anyone else, they're not going to give you any guarantees until the dosh is on the table. Um, So, I mean, I still think if you are looking for a home and you see that it's got potential, like it's got a big garden yeah. or it's got like a big roof space that could possibly you know, mm. be extended, then, you know, getting a couple of evaluations isn't a bad idea. Okay. But also, you know, it, it's just kind of seeing what you, what is, what the potential is. Yeah. And then um, going from there. And so, yeah, so it's, I think it's quite, it's something to bear in mind when you're looking for a house. Okay. Um, what's, the downsides to um, 
the, the rules under permitted development. Right, so with um, these permitted development uh, rights, there are some downsides. Okay. Um, as I mentioned before, technical, like the, yeah. the detail is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we've had cases where a window has been two millimetres out right. or too large and they've rejected it out of hand, out of hand saying, no, you can't do that. Um, so the so detail is absolutely key here mm-hmm. because there are very, very strict and very clear um, guidelines on what you can and can't do. Yeah. Um, so, for example, you can do a six-metre extension, but you cannot, certainly not do a six-metre, ten-centimetre yeah. extension. Um, the other thing to take into account, and that can really put the kibosh on the entire situation, is the neighbour neighbor consultation rule. Mm-hmm. So you have um, 42 days to uh, ask your neighbours if they have any objections. And obviously, if you're in a new, if you're looking to buy a house, you don't know the neighbours. Yeah. And so you may get kind of people who are a bit nimby and don't want anything to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's always the kind of um, squeaky bit, if you like, as you're waiting for this period to elapse to see if anybody um, objects. Because if they do object, then that's it. You can't have it. 42 days, like that, that's quite a short amount of time, mm-hmm. I would say. And I wouldn't recommend a homeowner just knocks on the door and says, we, we want to do this. Mm-hmm. What ways would you like to, to increase the chances of them being happy with it? So, for example, um, what we've seen here in Greenwich is it's um, like forearmed is forewarned. Uh, so forewarned is forearmed, sorry. Um, and letting your neighbours know that you are thinking of doing it, you know, telling them, you know, including them in the conversation, mm-hmm. um, proving to them that you know, this extension that I want isn't going to overlook your garden, um, it's not going to block your sunlight, mm. um, it's not going to be out of keeping with the rest of the street. That is key. I mean, we, we, we have seen that ourselves and we always recommend our okay. customers do that. Is speak to your neighbours, let them know what you want to do, and if you get them on board, they're going to be much more likely to not you know, cause a stir. Um, so that's like a real recommendation that we've seen work. Would you, would you also advise that they put it on paper like in a picture like a sketch or I mean that's really basic that's always you know something giving them a bit of visual information mm. I mean that's that's always that's all to the best I mean you don't necessarily need to go with an entire portfolio of design no. and specifications but um, you know it's, it's it's about educating yeah. and just letting them know what what you're going to do because once they're if they're on board then they're not going to complain mm-hmm. about it so and it's a, it's something that we've seen people have gone around with uh, renders and just mock-ups of what the house is going to look like and the neighbours have appreciated the effort um, that they've gone to to kind of explain the situation. And, you know, these people have had no problems at all, so it does work. Um, with permitted development, do you, do you see any signs of this being stopped altogether? Well, this is um, this is actually quite strange because the previous permitted development rights were going to expire, if I'm not mistaken, on the 1st of June. And then Kit Malthouse kind of dropped the bomb, as it were, and I think it was the 23rd of May. And okay. we had, we had a little bit of kind of warning that this was going to be happening in the kind of, in the, in the kind yeah. of backwaters. Um, but yeah, it was a real surprise because people were wondering what exactly was going to happen. Yeah. Because it was getting so close to the deadline. Yeah. And when he said they're just going to be extended permanently, that was quite, that was, that was, oh, that was quite a surprise. Um, so that, that's great for homeowners really because yeah. they're, 
the guidelines are slightly more generous than they were previously, and it's given a lot of people um, quite a lot of um, kind of relief. Yeah, and freedom. Because in the time of uncertainty with what's going on with the UK and mm-hmm. everything as well, people are not, they're a bit more edgy on buying property. Mm-hmm. And Well, there's also the issue um, that, um, for example, in London, Anybody under the age of 40 who isn't on a you know, million yeah. quid is going to find it very hard to buy a house. So what we've seen is that a lot of people are expanding and extending their houses yeah. because they need to have room for their children, for example, because they're in post-university. And also um, older people, their parents, that they want to move in. Um, so you end up getting these multi-generational houses that mm-hmm. are becoming more and more common. So that's also, you know, having the ability to expand your house in that okay. way is a real, is a real bonus for those kind of um, situations. Let's talk a little bit more about um, urbanist architecture as well. Like, if I was just coming off the street, mm-hmm. just bought a property, what's mm-hmm. the processes you would take me through? Um, so, as a rule, we always like, like to have a previous consultation to kind of get an idea um, about what our client wants and um, if we can help them and how we can help them. So we do that here in Greenwich and we also do it at our offices in Knightsbridge. And we can also organise a home consultation as well. Okay. Um, the office consultations are free, um, which is a real boom because people get a much better idea yeah. um, of what they want and they're kind of more encouraged to come. And we've had lots of people, we have all kinds of customers from people that basically know what they want and they're looking for the right architect and come with drawings mm. and plans that they've done. Um, and we've got people coming off the streets, kind of, I'm looking at this house, do you think there's any any chance that you could um, help us with the extension on this? And so, and they're a key part of the process. So um, after that, and then we can move on to kind of uh, the more technical process of um, looking into the development that can or can, can't, can or can't take place, okay. um, which is, which takes us actually not very long to do, you know, considering it's quite a difficult job and mm. technical. Um, it's quite easy to find out uh, exactly what you can and can't do. And then we communicate that to the customer. And then we kind of move on to the design process, um, which we like the customer to be heavily involved in. Um, and we try to encourage them to really take their time over it and think about what exactly they want because um, you don't neither the customer nor us want to be endless in the kind of cycle of endless uh, revisions and revisiting yeah so that is where both sides really have to put the work in mm-hmm. um, and that's something that we've seen as kind of the proactive people just have a much smoother ride and um, during the design process um, then if you like we can move on to the kind of more traditional design and build and strategy where we kind of manage the build, we organize our contractors, um, we put the drawings out to tender, um, and we kind of manage the entire process. Or some people have just want the drawings, um, and then, for example, we get quite a lot of landlords who come in, get the planning permission, and then use that as kind of leverage to improve the, the value of the house that they want to sell. Yeah. So you just kind of, you know, if you want to increase the potential, yeah. and it, you know, it, it does make the house more valuable. So you have quite a lot of people that just have that kind of short planning process. But as I said, we do the entire thing from start to finish. Brilliant. And how about, I'm sure you've had the odd occasion where you've, been tempted to push the boundaries mm-hmm. on certain things. Could you tell us a little bit about that? So um, we have a client at the moment who has 
um, a fairly standard uh, terraced house mm. with a kind of with a you know the side garden, the long back garden. And he has been to, if I'm not mistaken, three other architects asking for something a bit more daring. I mean, he can't touch the front of the house because it's um, in the conservation area. But at the back, he wants something really, really bold. And like to really, because he's in a kind, because he's in a borough that is quite favorable to that kind of thing. He really wants to uh, push the boat out. And so we sent him an initial very bold design of just kind of plate glass back looking out onto the garden, so a double, double story extension nice. with, um, it was kind of almost like a boat shape. And it was just uh, like a big cross in the middle, just from where the beams are to hold, yeah. the, hold the extension up, and then just views out over the garden. Wow. And he said, yeah, that's great. He said, not that interesting though. And so our designer, Emanuela, has come up with absolutely crazy, um, like protruding angles, um, which has created this thing where it's almost like a turned frame, so like a mirror frame okay. that has been turned a couple of times. And that creates all kinds of, um, yeah. kind of light effects because it's a south facing house and, you know, it's good, like some really fantastic yeah. effects. So, you know, that's the stuff we really like doing because extensions, yeah, fine. They're our bread and butter. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, got an extension at the moment in here in Deptford which is a, a garden flat and it's uh, we've created a kind of square bay window because the people wanted somewhere to sit and read and look yeah. out over the garden so getting to do the stuff like that is, is kind of the really nice stuff that we like to do yeah, yeah I'm sure we really enjoy it. and um, if anyone wanted to find out a little bit about, more about yourselves, where, where can they go? So um, our main page is urbanistarchitecture.co.uk and that is the kind of the repository of, we've got our portfolio on there, we've got loads of articles as well on for, written for homeowners, with homeowners in mind, yeah. to um, help them understand the entire process. Um, we also have uh, active, really active um, social media accounts on Instagram and on Twitter. And we also have a LinkedIn for uh, more business-to-business um, uh, relationships, which we're, we're looking to build. And so, yeah, we're pretty active on the social media front and with, okay. uh, with the content. So, And if they wanted to come here and see you guys, what, what's the address? We're? So we're based um, between Greenwich and Deptford, so we're at okay. Two Little Tens Walk. Um, and the easiest way to get a consultation with us is either to call us. Um, on 020-3973. I've got our phone number on. Ah. Um, on, and so the easiest way to get in touch with us is uh, either by calling us on 020-3793-7878 okay. or sending us uh, an email at info at openstarchitecture.co.uk. Brilliant. Oh, it's been really lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.